Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. For those that have not uh, had the opportunity um, to meet Tony, I'll just say a few words. Love you, brother. Yeah, I'm brother, coming in for the hug. Okay. You're telling our church that I'm a hugger, and they're starting to catch on. We're starting <laughs> to hug around here, you know? Okay. Pretty soon. Great. Yeah, we'll be brethren. Yeah. Do they hug That's a right. lot? In Haiti? No, brethren churches. Bre- I'd say, I'd have to say. They're pretty strong on the hugs. They're pretty strong. Yeah. yeah there's some. Yeah, and yeah. I'll tell you, some of them ladies can hug. Hope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Rib x-rays when you're done. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, um, yeah. we're, we're kidding around. Uh, Tony was yeah. saved in the Brethren Church. Yeah. Still very, very connected with many Brethren Churches, yeah. working with the MSC, which is a yep. missions organization through the Brethren Churches. And so for those Brethren, brothers and sisters that are here with us today, we're, we love you. Amen. We're thankful you're here. Amen. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know Tony, um, I met Tony about six years ago. Uh, went down to Haiti with Carl Nabine with Kids Against Hunger. Our church had helped to package food and yeah. been supporting a charity that provides food around the world. And he said, hey, would you come with me to Haiti to see how the food's being used? And so I was like, sure. And so I, we jumped on a plane. I had no idea who Tony was. Got there, yeah. got to know him, got to see the mission work that he's doing. And we've been supporting him ever since as a church. And uh, so yeah. wanted to have the opportunity um, to have you come and share. So Thank you, brother. I'll let you take it over. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm smiling. I, I guess I was looking at you. Because uh, when, when Nate came down... The, the, the country, like always, was just starting to, some major political unrest. <laughs> so I got these guys in my house, and the mayor comes up to us and says, you better get those guys out of this town because tomorrow the gangs are going to block the road and start burning cars. Get them out of town because they had to be at the airport the next day, and we wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to get there. And Nate calls Jess. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Not really the best words to say, brother. Jess, we're being evacuated. I could just hear a scream at the end. Of, what? <laughs> what is going? <laughs> that was so funny. And we and we slept overnight at Samaritan's Purse. I know the workers down there, and they let us in this big tent. And then we jumped in this beat up old truck. I loved it. I loved it. Good brother in the Lord. Yeah. And Jess for putting up with this guy. <laughs> anyway. Listen, brothers and sisters, there's two kinds of missionaries. I've said this before, those in the well and those that hold the rope. And I am so blessed to have Pathway Church holding on to that rope because without you, I couldn't do what God has sent me to Haiti to do. It is just such a blessing to come and share with you what you're doing for the Lord in Haiti. And I'm going to tell you, I can do nothing for the Haitians outside of Jesus Christ. It is not my mission. It is his mission. I'm to be an obedient steward, and that's, that's what it is. And so uh, please keep us in your prayers. Haiti right now, as usual, is going through a major upheaval. They're ready for a civil war. By the grace of God, we were able to get out of there. I, I, the only reason I came, came home was because I was speaking at a couple of conferences, or I'd still be there. But right now, the country is paralyzed. The gangs, have, they allow the people to do what they need to get done Saturday and Sunday. From Monday to Friday, you don't go out the door. They, we've had no electricity for three months, no fuel, or seven months, no fuel for two and a half months. No fuel, no gas, no oil, or diesel. 
and uh, it, it is crippled. The gangs have taken over. They want the president to step down, and, if, and they're going to continue till he steps down. But he is not going down because he's supported by the U.S. They're, they're behind a lot of this. And uh, so just pray for Haiti, because I can tell you the only thing that will win the war against poverty, injustice, disease, and hunger is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. These people, the heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. And they need a supernatural heart transplant only Jesus can give us. So I'm just, uh, I was meeting one day with a senator. The mayor introduced me to a senator. I had, I had just gotten to Haiti. I was only been there a couple of months. The mayor introduced me to him. And uh, he just thanked me for coming to Haiti. And, and uh, he was a Christian and, and doing the work with the mountain people. And he said, but Tony, he said, I'm going to tell you, you've got an uphill climb. And I knew it because I'm going up mountains. That's what I thought he meant. And he said, no, no, no. He said, Tony, let me tell you what you're up against. And he told me a Haitian proverb. I've never forgotten it. He said, Tony, two Haitians are in front of God. And God asked the first Haitian, I will get, tells them, the first Haitian, I will give you whatever you want, but your Haitian brother beside you is going to get double. And then the senator said to me, what do you think he asked for? I'm like, I, I got no idea. You know, you figure if he asked for a million, he's going to get two million. And he said to me, the first Haitian said, I want to be blind in one eye. I want to be blind in one eye. I have never forgotten that. And it is so true. People ask me to describe Haiti in one word. Easy. Loveless. Loveless. I have never seen a people like this in my life. But if you see how they live every day, you can understand. Average child in our town eats three times a week. Average mother, I say mother because 60% of the homes, there's no fathers. Average mother has six children. Why do you think Haiti has more orphanages in the world than any country per capita? They can't feed their kids. They give them away. More missionaries, more mission groups than any country in the world per capita. And yet you go there, you should see that place. What are we doing? We got churches and voodoo temples right beside each other. It, the country is a mess and only the breath of God will change them. Now, I'd I, I like you to put Franz up because I didn't do him on the last ceremony. I want to tell you something. I'm going to educate you and I might hurt people's feelings. But, you know, I speak at a lot of places once. Nate hasn't figured that out. And this might be one of the reasons why. Um, listen, orphanages, children, you know, oh, those poor little kids can't i help a poor little orphan in town you know get your 35 bucks a month month out and start sending the money to these mission groups well let me tell you i live there with these kids i seen these kids when they were three i know them now at 15 and let me tell you what we've done to these children in haiti and we think we're doing a good work that's the saints hold on to that guys these are the guys that should be up here not me those guys right there franz jordani enoch and edward Pray for those guys. It's nothing for them to, for me to take them up there and they'll drive a donkey for four hours after a seven-hour journey. They'll go another four hours just to give the gospel to the unreached people. But we should have one on there in the front. So let me tell you, I want to just give you a little education of orphanages in Haiti. Children are a commodity. They are a commodity. Don't, okay? You, more orphanage, why is there more orphanages there than anywhere else? Because children are a commodity. And like I said, the kids are starving. The mothers give them away. But here's what happens. 
When you go into an orphanage like they do, average orphanage in Haiti brings a thousand people a year because they got to keep the doors open. Average person, generally every every orphanage profits about between three and not not orphanage mission missions missions profit between three and five hundred dollars per person per person profit. Got to keep those doors open. You got an eight million dollar budget. We got to do it somehow. But here's what happens: they've got their orphans and they they can hardly wait and they're and, and they're told, listen, guys. As soon as those blondes, they call us blondes, get out of the bus, you kids run to them. Because you know what? We got to spark their, we got to get them all emotional. I was in four missions, so I know what I'm talking about. I left every one of them. So what happens is these little children, it's a loveless society. Why do they go to you? Number one, they're told. But number two, you show affection. We are blessed to have been raised in this country in a loving society. So here's what happens. You're loving on some little girl for the week or some little boy for the week, and they're catching right on. They love affection. This is how God taught me about love. They love affection because they don't get it. Their mom and dads don't get it. The only time a child is held in Haiti is when they're an infant. The moment they can walk, walk. Go get me firewood. Go get me charcoal. Go get us water. You can't imagine you're going to see it coming up. So they latch on to you, and you're holding these little kids... And then, the end of the week, you're gone. You've abandoned them. They're loving you. They're gone. What? Wait. We got another team of blondes coming. So that little girl sees somebody else or that little boy. Now there's another white person loving on them. End of the week, they're gone. Abandoned again. The next week, somebody else comes. You, like I said, I've seen these kids at three, and I see them when they're 15, You cannot imagine the damage you do to a child by loving them like that. You've abandoned them every time. They are social paths. You can't imagine. They don't love. They won't go near you. Because if they do, you're going to abandon them. Think about that. And their mothers and dads don't care. Well, mothers, because like I said, 60% of the homes in in my town, there's no fathers. They, they'll have five or ten kids with a, or five kids and go on to another lady and have another five. I know guys that have 35 children with nine wives. None of the kids are looked after. It's, it's just crazy. Let's go to Franz. So, so God, what? We don't have a Franz there? No, no Franz. I can't believe it. Sorry. Franz, Franz. No, the folder. Isn't there a folder, Franz? Oh, no. No, no. No, no, he's not in there. Here, he's in the, he's in the jump drive. Oh, all right, all right. Okay, sorry, buddy. Franz. Okay, let's go to another one. Yeah, sorry. This isn't the Emmys. Hold on, guys. <laughs> Okay, so let's get to another one. Yeah, hit another one, and, and we'll, yeah, I, we got to get Franz. He's my right-hand guy. That's him there on the left. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. Okay, let's talk about the prison ministry. Let's get on to that. So what do I know of prison ministry? Nothing. Just like everything else I do, nothing but the Lord does. I'm driving my Kawasaki with Franz one day. Monsoon rain hits. The, the, the rain was coming down so hard, uh, it felt like hailstone. I pull into the police station because I got a big awning. We're standing there waiting for the rain to quit. And next thing I hear is a bunch of guys yelling at me in arms. Turn around. It's a prison. I didn't even know there was a prison at the police station. Teenage prison. I hear, Blondoni, Blondoni. They call us blonde, white. 
and it's just what they call us. It's not derogatory. And, and, and the policemen laughed because they said, they even, you even got friends in jail? You know, they couldn't believe <coughs> Excuse me. So I go to the jail, and this is what I see. It's an 8 by 12 room. They had 20 teenagers in there. They had no beds, no sheets, nothing. You should have smelt this place. And they sleep on a concrete floor, literally on top of each other. Wait, do you see the pictures? Incredible. And so I, I, I'm seeing these kids, and the two of them were from my town, and they saw me on the bike all the time. And they one started crying, Can't you, please, can you help us? We haven't eaten in three days. Because the, the, the country has no money. Prisoners are like, who's going to look after a prisoner? If you don't have a mom and dad, well, they all do, but they never come to see them anyway. So the kids were starving. So I said to them, listen, you're, this town is three times the size of mine. There's missionaries all over the place. I said, don't you get visits from missions? Oh, yeah, they come, they take our picture, they give us a candy, and they say, we'll pray for you, and we never see them again. Now, I really, and and that bugged me, because I already know, I've been through four of them, and I said, here's the deal, guys. If you allow me to come every Friday and share the gospel with you, I'll come, and we'll bring you some water, some sheets, and they're like, no problem, Blantoni, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they had a real foul mouth on them, and I told them, but you can't swear. Oh, no problem, we won't bleep and swear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the next Friday we come, I had to get permission because they don't allow people to see prisoners there. These kids are teenagers. Give you an idea. 13-year-old, been in there a year and a half because he stole running shoes. Year and a half. 14-year-old, been in there 18 months. Same deal because he stole the CD. And so another guy stole the phone. They're in there for years for nothing. One little boy who you're going to see coming up, his dad was mad at him, so he called his brother, his uncle, who was a policeman, and arrested him just to discipline him. He'd been there one year, and his mom and dad had never seen him. One year, just, just, just for that. So I was really, really, uh, you know, taken back. Keep going. There he is right there. That, that's the one that got put in jail for, uh, uh, he's, he, is he the run and shoot kid? Yeah, we got him out. 13 years old. Jenison, yeah. And so anyway, okay, you can just click through that. That's Enoch. So we go every Friday. We go every Friday. This is months ago. Now listen to what happened. We're talking and all of a sudden I hear crying from another cell. And I look over and it's a women's cell. They had, they had the young ladies and the, I didn't know. So they're crying because they're hearing what we're telling the, the kids. And so we go over and I say, and, and they're just crying. Oh, Blantoni, Blantoni, can you come and see us? No problem. So now we get Enoch, one of my helpers. His wife comes, Shirlene, we go every Friday. Literally every girl has been saved. Literally every girl in the prison. And listen to this. There they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She just gave her testimony. Take a look at the adults' prison. Where do you see this? Go ahead. Welcome to prison in Haiti. Look at them, how they sleep. It's unbelievable, guys. But what I like is they're a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. They're going to hear the gospel. It's just awesome. So we got them all Bibles. If they, know, if they learn verses, I give them a shirt or a bar of soap or a bag of water. Just little things. And we get the kids to learn. So listen to what happened. The director of the prison noticed such a difference in the kids. He went to the judge. And he said, judge, these kids are no longer a threat. These kids have changed. He, he even opened the cell and they're not even running away anymore. And they could hardly wait for us to come Friday. They're getting saved. So the judge started releasing the kids, letting them go. We didn't even ask him. There was a, so I, we told the kids, 
Here's my number. They all know where I live. They come. We give them money to buy clothes, and we get them to a good church in their town. And uh, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, there they are. You can imagine. So there's Enoch, little Jeremy, Jeremiah. There's, there's uh, Ricardo. He was the first one to get released. He goes to the mountains now with us uh, to, to work with our youth. These are just kids that come out of the jail. So now what we're going to do, what, what bugged me was uh, when they got out, they were complaining to me that they're with their gang friends again. But now they're Christian. They can't be like that. They're living under bridges. They don't, you know, they're with a, a witch doctor, uncle, or somebody mean, and they have no place to go. Thank you very much, brother. Oh, boy. Um, and so, you know, I spoke through the whole first service without a drink, man. I'm dry. So, so I'm, I'm laying there for two nights. It's bugging me. These kids going back to that environment. Now they're saved. And, and, so, and the church people are dirt poor. They can't help them. And I got thinking, why don't we find a house, a halfway house? We rent it. And when these kids get released, they come and live with a Christian family and get brought up in a loving Christian environment. We'll do Bible study with them every week. They go to church every Sunday, and they're going to live with us. And that's what we're doing right now. I'm going to meet him uh, next week. We may have a, a sponsor to support that work. But what an awesome idea. And we're going to train and build them up and send them up to the mountain so I don't have to ride donkeys anymore. Have we got Franz on there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so listen. This is why I want to get Franz up here. So I told you the problems about loving a kid, loving a kid, loving a kid, and just destroying them. I said, no way, Lord, I'm going to do that. Just bring somebody into my life. Just give me, give me one boy. Here he is. I met this little kid selling knives in front of a church because his mother was sick. This is 2007. I was with my, 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 well, my wife wasn't my wife. She was my interpreter. Best one I had, I married her. <laughs> and this little boy came up to me. He was like this tall, 12 or so. And he, and, and he was selling knives. And I just loved this little kid. No father, never been to school, typical. So we went into the Catholic church, me and my wife. This little kid comes running in yelling, voodoo, voodoo, papo, alley, get out of here. This is a voodoo church. Catholic and voodoo are like this. They're together. So I asked him, do you by any chance go to school? Nope. Does your mom have a phone? Because he didn't have a dad. Oh, yeah, I got his number. And so I started to sponsor. He was the first. I told everybody he's my first son. Keep going. That's his sister, Mackie. Look at him. There he is. That's when I first met him. So I went to his little mountain home, just an old, you know, you should have seen the place. But I love this kid. Look at him now. So I brought him every weekend to our house. He could hardly wait till I pulled up on the motorcycle. And there he is, ready to go to my house. Every weekend I brought him home to, to the home. Keep her going. There he is. Look at this kid. Look at, look at the size of him. You know, just, brother, just invest in one. Angels rejoice over one in the multitude. So he wanted me to take a picture. Look at, look at the tie. You can land the 747 on that thing. I says, Franz, I don't think I'm going to get that tie in the picture. He wanted me to take a picture of him praying. And there he is. And that's his brother, Jordani. So, so I asked him, I asked him years ago, I said, Franz, what do you remember most about, because now he's grown up, and I wanted to know how he felt. I said, Franz, why did you come every week? What, what do you remember? And he said, Tony, you loved me. 
you love me. And I just went, oh, yeah, Franz, I give him a hug. He works me. He's laughing at me. I'm about ready to have a heart attack. We're going up a hill. You don't bend over to eat the grass. You know, it's straight up. And, and he's laughing at me because I needed a rest. But he's my, he's my right-hand man now. And he works with our kids, and he drives a gator. Just invest in one, brothers and sisters, just in one. Just a great guy. So let's go to, uh, we did the, let, let, let's go to, uh, let, let's get to Edison. We're talking about prison. No, no, let, let, let's go to the, the outreach, the outreach, the kids clubs. Sorry, sorry. So anyway, God is love. None of these kids are loved. The mayor led me to the mountains. 93% of the population live in the mountains. What do we do? We go to the mountains. We do kids clubs. We got schools and churches, which you're going to see. And here's our kids. And we, 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 we bring these, we, they learn the love of Jesus, these little guys. And we love on them every week. And we're not going away. We're not going away. So I don't do it. I have the nationals do it. I don't want them to remember the white guy. I want them to remember the nationals. And I got these loving guys that loving these kids. Everyone is lined up. When we come up and they hear the gator, they get in a line because we kiss and hug every single one before they hear the gospel because God is love. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, it's unreal. Keep going. <coughs> so, oh, hold on. So, let me tell you about children in Haiti. Like I say, they're not loved. 90% of the people in the mountains practice voodoo. They'd never seen a missionary. I was the first white guy they'd ever seen. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> when we do our Sunday school, kids clubs, it's on Sunday. The voodoo people won't let their children come to church. They keep them home. And it was bugging me because there were so many children that weren't allowed to come to church. Saturday, the voodoo parents are gone. Generally, two-hour walk to a market. They leave the seven-year-old to babysit their five-year-old, their three-year-old brother and sister. Saturday, the, the voodoo kids are standing around doing nothing. I said to Edward, let's do it on Saturdays. So now, you got the voodoo kids. These little hooligans were throwing rocks at us at the building. We're doing, our, we're doing our Saturday kids clubs and they're tossing rocks because their parents are voodoo. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Just getting over cold. So these kids are coming. So finally, Edward's telling me, Tony, we got these five guys. They're just driving me crazy. I send the kids out to run after them and they all take off like a bunch of zebra in Africa. So I said, what are we going to do? I said, no problem, Edward. I know how we're going to get those kids. How do you win a kid? Cook up a meal. These kids can smell food for 10 miles. So the next, <coughs> excuse me, the next Saturday, I got the ladies up there cooking rice. These little five guys, they're not throwing rocks anymore. They're smelling the food and they're just standing there. We're eating. And Edward went over. Would you, Ugrangu? Oh, yeah, we're hungry. Are you hungry? Okay, if you come over, don't throw rocks. Don't be desert, which they came, and we'll feed you but you're going to listen to the story. Would you like something to eat? Absolutely. So these little kids came. The next week, we had bread, peanut butter, and juice. The next week, we had coffees, okay? Or cookies and juice. These little kids, they kept coming. So then the next week, we had to lean them off the food. You know, I did a five-star, and we had to work our way down to nothing because I usually just give them a little cookies and that. So we fed them, and finally, we didn't do it for two weeks. The kids kept coming. Finally, when all the kids left, these five were staying in the room and Edward said what, what are you doing here we want to talk to you brother Edward oh what do you what do you want to talk about how can we ask this Jesus into our heart it was <laughs> you can't imagine what that felt like when I heard that 
and they were embarrassed, and there they are. They ask him into their, Jesus into their heart. These are voodoo kids. They went and they got 15 of their voodoo hooligan friends. They brought them the next Saturday. Our kids come, literally went from 60 to 80 in one week because of these kids. These kids are the first ones there now. It's unbelievable move of God. You wouldn't believe it. But let me tell you what happened. <coughs> Excuse me. This is an area we went to. I'll tell you in a sec. And I said to them, Uko. Ukone jab? Who knows the devil? Who knows the devil? And every one of them, oh, yeah, we do. They're all enthused. Yeah, we know the devil. This is an area we had never been to before. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, keep going. They put their hand up. Yeah, we know the devil. This is Edward with the kids. Keep going, brother. Oh, this guy was the biggest thief in the mountain. This kid was a thief. He'd go to all the gardens. They're starving, so he's stealing food from everybody's gardens. He gets saved. He went to the families and asked for forgiveness. He steals no more. Unbelievable move of God. So I hear the kids and I said, Ukone Jay-Z, who knows Jesus? And they're like, who's that guy? We don't know. Every one of those kids are saved now. They They made such an impact at the school they go to that the director of the school called me. And I went and met her, and she doesn't believe in God. She's not a, uh, she doesn't believe in Jesus. She's unsafe. She said, Tony, I have to talk to you about something. She said, there's a group of kids. We noticed there's a group of kids that, uh, that, that are different than the rest of my kids at school. And I'm asking them, what's going on? Well, they, they, they obey what we say. They, they help clean up at the school. They don't go crazy. They don't fight. They don't yell. And I went up and asked them. Why? What, what's, what's gotten into you? Oh, that's easy. Jesus has gotten into us. He doesn't like us to do that. The lady was so blown away that she said, could you come and teach the entire school? Can you imagine a public school coming to you and say, do you want to come and, and, and give the gospel to all the kids? We go every Friday now. We're at that school giving the gospel to 165 children. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because of those kids. Keep going. Okay, there's little Teons, another mountain boy. He's got sticks on his head because they all cook campfire. But the reason he's got those sticks is because they take the bark off and eat it. They were starving. So the mothers were boiling bark in a pot to make it easier for the kids to eat. Don't let the big stomach fool you. It was fi- he was filled with worms. We were able to bring him down and, um, and uh, give, get him medication. And what, uh, Nathan, along with, with Carl Naiman, sent food. And we do a feeding program in that area now more. Those kids don't eat bark. They eat, they eat rice and beans. <laughs> It's just awesome. One of the little boys. Keep going, brother. Yeah, these are just some of the little boys that we meet. There's what you do after school. You get a hoe and you go to work. Those little kids wake up at four in the morning, hour and a half to two hour walk to get water before they go to school. They've come back and then they got an hour walk to school before they do it. As soon as they get home from school at 12 o'clock, that's what they do. That's what it's like being a kid in Haiti. You can't imagine how hard it is. More of our kids. There's Edward. Pray for Edward. Okay. All right. Yeah, these are our kids' programs. Unbelievable. We got about 360 children uh, in our kids' clubs. We do it in uh, four different mountain areas. Yeah, oh, more kids come to the Lord. They want to ask Jesus into their heart because Edward go, who'd like to ask Jesus into their heart? Oh, we do, we do. There they are praying. Just beautiful. And those kids are going to be the change. Did we, did, was little Corton up there? Did I miss little Corton? Okay, so there was a boy. I'm going to tell this quickly. Oh, Samaritan's Purse heard about what we were doing. I took two of the Samaritan's Purse people up. They were a basket case. They didn't even believe people lived up there. Guess what? They send us shoeboxes. 
We took them up on a donkey. Kids had never had a gift in their life. They play with rotten, rusted cans and sticks and keep going. I, I, I guess we missed two brothers. Keep going. No, these are just two guys who wait for us. Yep, yep, yep. More kids clubs. More kids clubs. Yep, okay. What? Yep, yep. <laughs> Taking shoes up. Keep going. There they are. Oh, they're sweeties. I think that's it. Okay, what do we got next? Where was I going? So, yeah. So they're one of these little boys, give you an idea how, how mean the adults are. One of the little boys in our kids' club was caught praying. He, he, he was praying in his bedroom. So his dad's a witch doctor. What they use in Haiti is like a piece of barbed wire about this long, 18 inches. They'll wrap cloth around it so just the little ends are sticking out and rake it down their back. That little, so this little boy named Corton, he was in there. He came to the Saturday Kids Club, and Edward noticed he wasn't walking the same. When he lifted his shirt, he couldn't believe it. The little boy had been beaten because he prayed. So he, he told Edward the story. The next, next Saturday, the little kid was praying in the bedroom. The father saw him praying again because he told him, don't pray. But Edward, but little Corton said, I'm not going to stop praying. I love Jesus, and, and I'm going to pray to him to protect me. When, when he saw him praying again, he grabbed the barbed wire and he came up to hit him, but he heard his son praying for him and his mother. He was praying that his dad would come to know Jesus and he couldn't hit him. So the, so the little boy came on Saturday, his dad followed him over. And when, when he saw his dad coming, he hid behind Edward. And he, and he said to Edward, Vimbalo, Edward, I want to talk to you, come here. Edward was a little concerned. Edward went up to him, and the witch doctor said, told him the story. I was going to hit my son last night because he was praying, but he was praying for me and, and his mother. You're doing a good job. And he turned around and left. And now he lets that boy come freely every Saturday. So what? Edison? Okay, let's hit Edison, yeah. Fasten your seatbelts. Listen to this. This is our latest. This is what God is... This man here, this boy, he's only 22, killed his father at 13 years old. He was paid by his uncle to kill his father. His father beat him every day. Just another, another story. He pulled a gun on his dad and shot him and killed him at 13 years old. Didn't do a day in jail. Didn't do a day in jail. He was raised by his uncle to be a gangster. I couldn't, you should hear how this kid was talking and, and the people he's killed. So he killed three people in Port-au-Prince. The gangs were coming after him. He had to go back home. He was back in Santo Domingo, but I won't get into that. He was originally from Grand Guap. So to get away from the gangs, he had to come back to Grand Guap. Everybody in town, I heard about this Edison guy. He was the meanest gangster in town now. Dreadlocks hanging around. So gangsters in town hired him to go kill two guys in Port-au-Prince. And they pay when the job is done. So Edison needed money to go to Port-au-Prince, which is the capital city, hour and a half away. So he had no money. So he had his gun and his machete. And he's standing on a highway one night under a mango tree. Because what they'll do is they'll wait for a car. He'll just stand out at right, and point the gun right at the driver and rob them. That's what they do. Well, it just so happened we were doing a brand new church plant. We were doing a two-night service outreach, and then church on Sunday. Thursday night was our first night. He just happened to be across the road from the church, hiding under this mango tree, waiting for a car. And he's under the tree, waiting for a car. 
And he heard, if your name is not written in the book of life, you will be thrown into the, into the burning lake of uh, sulfur, or lake of fire. He didn't like the sound of that. That's the verse that brought me to the Lord. The same verse. So he's under the mango tree. He heard it. A car comes. He just, he puts his hand on his gun. He's got his machete. And he's listening and he's watching. Listen to what? And he was torn. The, he let the car drive right by. Now listen to this. There's the church. We got 50 people in the church. All of a sudden, here comes a gangster with a gun in his hand and a machete. The people in the church were ready to bolt because they know him. So they all jump up when they see him walking. You can imagine someone standing right there with a gun and machete. So here he is with his dreadlocks, and he's coming into the church. The people jump up. We're going, no, no, tally, tally, she just shit, bone Sit down. It's okay. God is here. Nothing's going to happen. So they're, they're not even listening to the guy speaking now. They're, they're, they're all turning around looking at Edison. Edison comes up. He puts his machete down, and he leans on it. He just had to see. And he's leaning, and he's looking at the people with this mean look. He walks around the side of the church. He sits down. And we just keep going. We just keep going. No, the people are, they're just watching him because he's got the gun. And uh, so, so uh, uh, five minutes into the message or from him being there, we hear crying. And it's him. He's bawling like a baby. Bawling like a baby. And he yells out to the guy speaking, Pastor, I want to talk to you. Well, the guy's speaking, Oh, no, 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 I'm not a pastor. He's a pastor. He's the one you got to, no, no, no. He's a, so Enoch walks over and he, Enoch's the pastor. And he said, sit still, 10 more minutes, we'll come and see you. For an hour and a half, we talked to him, led him to the Lord. He got saved that night. Saved that night. He was on his way to kill people in Port-au-Prince. And he got saved. So that was him with me. Okay, keep going. Here are the leaders. Keep her going. Okay. So he's got all these dreadlocks. That's a gang deal. That's a, you're in a gang, you got to have dreadlocks. I said to Edison, what are we doing with these dreadlocks? And, you know, oh, 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 are the old brother Tony, we're going to cut him off. See you tomorrow at 9 o'clock. We go back to the church. He's already there. He got there like at 8. He could hardly wait. You should have seen his face. We get these, <laughs> we just get these snip, snip, snip. He's got these little stubs sticking out of his head. It's hilarious. There's the dreadlocks. Now, here's what gang guys do. Once they, once they how, how long have I got, brother? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so once a gang guy gets his dreadlocks cut off, they go to a witch doctor. And they have a witch doctor do a ceremony on the dreadlocks because dreadlocks are protection. Every gangster has been gone to a ceremony to have a witch doctor do a, cere- a ceremony on them for protection. So what they'll do, they'll, they, they cut their dreadlocks, but they give it to the witch doctor because they still want that protection. They still want... So I wanted to see if, if uh, Edison really you know, was, was going to have the Lord or have the, and I said to Edison, what do you want to do with your dreadlocks? And I was waiting to hear him say, oh, we got to take him to a witch doctor. Oh, no. He says, Tony, brother Tony, burn him. He said, I don't need those anymore. What I want are the gangsters to feel what I'm feeling inside right now. I'll never forget it. The next Sunday, the guy brings two of the biggest gangsters in town. The week, two, two weeks after that, they're saved. Then he's got a 14-year-old apprentice he was bringing up to be a gangster. The kid comes, he gets saved. We call it the gangster church now. He, he's bringing... So when I go back, we're going to go to these... They all know me, the gangsters, because we feed them. And we're going to witness to all these gangsters. The guy is on fire for the Lord. If you heard his testimony, unbelievable. Yeah, but that's what God's doing. Oh, the mountain schools. Absolutely. Going to do the mountain schools when we're done. 
So I don't know if you guys know it, but, but when this brother was there, you guys, you guys took on, hold on, you guys support a school in the mountains. What that does, that, that keeps the, what, by support, I mean you pay teachers, and that keeps the kids in school. Average teacher in Haiti makes $15 a month. Nate sponsors them, they're making $48 a month. And believe me, that's good money, but they grow coffee for me too. They're all farmers. So you guys, how long, Nate, five years? Yeah, you've been supporting the school. That allows me to bring the gospel in. No kidding. Because of your support, literally every kid in the school is saved now. We had to put an addition on the church because all the kids were getting saved because we are giving them the gospel. So look at, take a look. There's Nate, there's your school right there, brother. This is what you guys are supporting, or pathway. But take a look at these schools up there, brother. There's school in Haiti, in the mountains, dirt poor. So you guys have been supplying them with books, pencils, blackboards, chalk, more importantly, the gospel. We give them the gospel. There's the teachers you're supporting. No, I'm lying. That's general. Keep going. You'll see them. These are the kids. We bring them the gospel Bibles. Kids program, yeah, the shoebox. Yeah. But I got to show you. We, there you go. You bought those. Keep going. Where's your teachers? Well, they got to be alive to hear the word. We got to feed them. You, your support gives them an Easter and a Christmas dinner. That's, that's another school we have. I wonder, where, where, where's your school? Keep going. These are just some of the kids that we disciple. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Keep going. That's a meal. This is your school coming up here, brother. Right here. Yep. Yep. There's the teachers that Pathway is supporting. And Brutus on the right is the director. And uh, you've just done an unbelievable move of God up there by supporting those teachers. Incredible. Oh, my goodness, it's incredible. I think that's about all we got. I mean, it's not all I got. I can go a lot more, but I think that's all we got time for. That's Enoch. So just thank you so much for uh, allowing me to share you what God is doing in Haiti. What God is doing in Haiti. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'll stay here. I uh, wanted to do something a little different today. Uh, Tona just asked me before the service, say, hey, would, would you be willing to just have a Q&A time if anybody has questions? Uh, Tony's been jumping around, sharing little bits of jumping information around, yeah. around, but maybe there's something that, that you guys are wondering or would like to ask him, and uh, we can take a few minutes to do that. So I don't know if there's anybody, just throw your hand up, and I'll run over to you with the mic so everyone can hear, but I know there's all kinds of questions, and you're just shy about putting your hand up, but... Right there, Bonner. How you doing? Okay. Yeah. Good to see you, sister. I just wanted to know, Tony, with all the unrest that's happening there, when do you go back or oh. what, what's ahead for you? Oh, I like an adventure. I like an adventure. So here's the deal. Right, yeah, right now, um, the gangs allow you to move Saturday and Sunday. Monday to Friday, the country's in lockdown. I was supposed to leave a week this Tuesday, but I rescheduled for Sunday. And I got to talk to you about the Nate. I just rescheduled for Sunday because the gangs allow you to work. I'm going back, sister. The guys are struggling right now without me there. They're struggling. Worst case scenario, I'm going to leave my boys in Edna in Wisconsin. And then when it's safe, I'll have them come and join us. But the, they need me there and I'm going back. Yeah, I'm going back. Awesome. I got a good security guard. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, there. 
how can I help support the missionary? You just talk to that guy with the mic. <laughs> I'll tell you a few ways in just a moment. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll cover that. Um, that's a good question. Thank you. I'm sure you're not the only one who's wondering that. So uh, here's what I wanted to do to close today. Um, and Tone, Tone's going to hang around after the service. So if you have questions or like to chat with him and learn more, you can certainly do that. But I wanted to pray for Tony and with Tony. Amen, so I'll just uh, invite everyone to stand together. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I told you this in the first service, but... You know, our family prays for you, our children pray for you, and your family, your wife, Thank and your you, children at brother. night, the work you're doing. I know many of the people of this church are praying, supporting in many different ways, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, the first way we need to support you is prayer. Absolutely. Uh, that God would be with you, continue to protect you. So let's do that. Father, okay. thank you so much for Tony, for his wife Edna and their boys. And Lord, as they're in this dark place uh, called Haiti, thank you that you've called them to be a light in that place. And uh, that, Lord, as they love and serve and share the gospel with the people of Haiti, mm. that, God, you are at work doing what only you can do. And so, God, thank you that we can in some way partner uh, with Tony and the missionaries, the local missionaries there in Haiti that he's working through. And, God, we pray that our, through our prayers, through our giving, through our support, your message mm. of love and Amen. hope would continue uh, to shine in that place. And so, God, we pray for protection, provision, and all the things they need. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Thanks so Thank much, you. brother. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.